welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. salvation, our help. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. What a wonderful God we serve. Thank God. Tell your neighbor, tell them you're happy to see them here tonight. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> How many wants to go to heaven? Praise God. I think that's the objective for living for God is because we want to go to heaven. Amen. And uh, it's important that uh, we look at it from that perspective of if I want to go, i got to work at it. It's not something that is freely given. A lot of people feel like you just, you know, make your confession uh, and then uh, uh, to Jesus Christ and then it doesn't matter how you live, that everything's going to be all right at that day. I don't think the Bible tells us that. And so I, uh, I feel like it's a, it's a journey for us. And uh, so uh, it's been a minute. But uh, we're going to go back to the scripture, but I'm going to start from Matthew, the 12th chapter tonight. And Jesus had, uh, talks about here, about the impact of careless words. Amen. Remember, we've been talking about the little foxes that spoil the vines. And we've been talking about the, the man that was called to be the husband of vineyards, but his own vineyard had he not kept. And so keep that in mind tonight because we're on this journey together. We, wanna, we want God to do something in our hearts and uh, we want to make sure that uh, we have everything uh, in the right proper place and those things that don't need to be there extracted from our lives so that we can one day see him. Praise God. That's what it's all about. Amen. Matthew 12, 36 and 37, Jesus said, I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Verse 37, he said, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Praise God. Lord, we thank you once again for, amen, your presence. We thank you for the services we had this last weekend, hearts and lives that were touched and changed. And I believe God tonight, as we enter in once again to this study that you're going to minister to each and every one of us, that we can see the light uh, by the light of your word more clearly in our lives, and God, be more determined than ever before, amen, to truly be what you want us to be in this last day for the sake of those that need to hear the gospel, amen, amen, that we declare to them through your word. God bless us tonight, I pray, and everybody say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Now, 
Passages like this are good at assisting us in how we should walk in the way of holiness. Praise God. Everybody say assist. It's patches like this that should trouble us to the extent that we are willing to pray and let the Spirit of God lead and guide us and direct us uh, in those moments of correction. I don't know how you feel about it, but I feel like I want my life to be in a place to where God can correct me. You know, in the physical realm, we have a problem sometimes when somebody else tries to correct us. I hope we don't have that problem with God. I hope we put ourselves in a place to where we open our lives up and let Him correct us and direct us and sometimes redirect us so that we could be right. And so we are, everybody say, we are going to be accountable for the words that we speak and there will be a great accounting at that day of judgment according to the Word of God. Now he talks about idle words. Everybody say idle words. Those are words that come from pride and deceit. You see, the proud words are those that are perceived as boastings of a vain fellow. Deceitful words are those cunning words that work toward deceiving somebody so that an ill-gotten gain may be enjoyed. You have idle words. Idle words can also be those words that are heard as they report various kinds of misinformation that that, uh, uh, maims the reputation of another person. Another one is idle words are those words of an idle mind and come forth as impure and polluted with lust. Idle words can be useless and insignificant themes of a mindless nature. But the reality of the matter is that our words are a very clear reflection of our hearts. Can I tell you this? Your words and your speech will betray your heart. The heart is where the problem is. Amen. The heart. Everybody say my heart. Another way to describe idle words would be simply just careless words. There was a commentator that, that, gave com, uh, 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 that commented on uh, Matthew 8 uh, through 15. But let me just read you some of that. He said, the basic meaning of careless is useless, barren, unproductive, or otherwise worthless. goes on and says, such words include those that are flippant, irresponsible, or in any way inappropriate. Hypocritical words are among the most careless and worthless that men speak and are. Unfortunately, among the most common that we use. When men self-consciously keep their vocabulary, a lot of times, orthodox or moral, and evangelistically acceptable while they're among fellow children of God. For the sake of impressing them or to keep them from embarrassing themselves. Those words, if I say those words, are careless and worthless in God's sight. In other words, if I just kind of play the part and talk the talk, When I'm around you all, 
That's not doing me any good. That's, that's hypocrisy at its extremes. Holy talk. How many of you ever been around somebody that'll talk Bible? They'll talk holy talk. They'll talk all the stuff of the church, but their life doesn't measure up. I've been there. I know. Because my mind lets me know that what they're saying, even how true it might be, they don't measure up. Idleness of speech opens the heart up to begin to use words that are even more destructively evil. Words that express lust, Proverbs 5. Deceit, Jeremiah 9. Cursing and oppression. Does anybody cuss here? Don't raise your hand. Did I hear you point to your mother? Did I see that? Oh, help us, Jesus. Let's get the oil out right now. <laughs> There's Christians that cuss. They say bad words. Some of you aren't laughing, so it's kind of got me a little amused here. Yeah. You see, those are tall tale signs that let us know that, that, that if those kind of things come out of our mouth, we got a problem. We got a problem. Things aren't well with our soul. So in Psalms 10, it talks about that. Do we cursing and oppression? What about the lying spirit? Proverbs 6, also 12. How about Proverbs 11? It talks about destruction. How about vanity? That, say, uh, that, that 2 Peter 2 talks about. How about flattery that Proverbs 26 talks about? How about foolishness Proverbs 15 talks about? There's another word they use, vibrosity. Or that's the state of quality of being verbose. Superfluity of words. Here's the next one right here. Worldliness. Worldliness. You see, in the church, God has called us out of this world and brought us into his marvelous light. He said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. So we got to be careful as a child of God, lest we are overcome by worldliness, the speech of the world. It's not the will of God. Talks about that in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. How about in Titus where he talks about falsehood or Job where he talks about pride or Colossians, Paul speaks of vulgarity. Psalms 109 talks about hatred and once again, Proverbs 26 talks about gossip. In Psalm 141 and verse 3, let's note, let's look at it right here. What's the word say? The psalmist said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth Keep the door of my lips. He was praying out to God and basically saying, God, I need a mouth guard. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you need a mouth guard? How many realize this tonight that some things just get the best of us and, and, and we it comes out? Does anybody got that problem? 
We all have that temptation in that moment when something hits us just the wrong way or whatever and we, we, just, uh, we just verbalize it. We express it through language. We say, you know, I can't hold my tongue. I've just got to speak it. I've just got to tell it. I got to let them know how I feel. But the psalmist said, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Why? Well, we briefly noted what the Proverbs and Jesus had to say about the way of speech. You know, that's a big topic in the world today. Speech. Free speech. Free speech. Problem of it is, it just seems like everybody's trying to relegate that to the, the old garbage heaps of yesteryear. Nobody really wants free speech. But if you read Psalm 141.4, David was talking about the mouth. <clears throat> the mouth. Everybody say the mouth. Amen. So before progressing to the next, to the text in Ephesians, one of the last references that, that, that what David said about the mouth is helpful. In, in, in 141.4, you also see that David discovered that, that also he, he talks about the heart of man. In other words, his mouth, he said, and his heart, they are very closely related. Whatsoever man soweth, that's what they're going to reap. And David wanted the Lord to set a watch on his mouth so that when his heart was overwhelmed, he would not falter. He would not give in. He would not submit to that feeling. Because we all know that emotional and unadvised words just kind of leap off of our tongue. When we are under pressure of outward circumstances, especially that of persecution. I try to live by this. Am I perfect? No. But I try to live by this. I'm trying to do better and better. Amen. To think before I speak. What kind of damage am I going to do? Am I just going to offload this frustration or this anger or this hostility or whatever's going on in my life, the persecution or whatever it might be? Am I just going to offload that? Then i got to think about how are they going to process it? What have I done? Have I, have I just tore down many years of, 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 of respect in their life because I now have said something that injured them? And now that respect is no longer there. David desired of the Lord to help him to guard his tongue when he entered into these kinds of situations. Bear with me just a moment. I'm kind of setting the table here. So he wanted to be very careful that he did not dishonor God because, you see, that's what we got to worry about. I don't want to dishonor God in the eyes of others who had confidence in me. And had confidence in God. So David had gleaned a, a great principle of life in that he would not prevent the attack 
of evildoers that would provoke him to impatience or hastily answer in the heat of the moment. And David went through that a lot where people were coming against him and he got angry and got frustrated. And folks, it just wasn't outside influences. It happened in his family. How many will agree tonight that some of the most heated exchanges you're going to have is within your family? That's right. It's in your family because it's there that you feel like you're on even ground and when somebody says something to you that you can respond because it's inside your four walls. But it's still the same. It's a heart issue. How many's ever repented after you got mad like that? How many's ever talked to the Lord and said, Lord, help me, help me with this? Have you? I have. So David could ask the Lord to set a watch on his mouth, amen, so that he would not let those hurtful and angry words pour out of his mouth. You know, David's a good example of, of, uh, of, of many things in the Word of God that we can take from it and understand, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, when, when Abigail came, and, and, and I think Brother uh, uh, as Alini kind of referred to it a little bit that day, uh, she was begging that David because David was so wroth and he was so angry that he wanted to destroy her husband. But you see, we always need somebody that can stand in the gap with a voice of reason that says no. Right? David knew the importance of prayerful requests because in another reference in, in Psalm 19 and 14, he had prayed that the words of his mouth and the meditations of his heart be acceptable in the sight of God. You see, here's the deal. we got to realize, and, and let me just kind of put in here my own words. I have to understand that if my heart's not right, then my prayer to God is going to have issues. So I get my heart right, right? Everybody say, my heart. He was concerned with the heart as well as his mouth. Think about it. Amen. So this, I believe, is an effective prayer that we can also interject into our Christian walk with God to help us to fully honor him. Right? Do you believe that tonight? Okay. So now let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 29. 429. I don't even know if I had that on that list up there. Uh, I apologize. But if you, if you got it there, Ephesians 4.29, notice what he talks about. He says, don't, don't let unwholesome words exit your mouth. Uh, let me turn around here and read it up here. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace. Everybody say, minister grace. To who? The hearers. The words that are spoken give great revelation of the state of the heart. So sinful speech. Sinful speech can fall into disgraces against God and also against man. And, and understand, those against God, what can they be? What do they look like? Well, they can be rash, swearing in the name of God. I mean, how many times do you, I, I don't, I don't even, I can't even bring myself to say it, but people, something will happen and they'll say, 
Jesus and laugh and all that. I'm thinking, how can people use his name in vain like that and just flippantly go on, not even thinking of what they just said? Think about it. Irreverence toward God in light conversation, using scripture in a jesting or scoffing manner, mocking the church and those who are serious about their walk with God, reasoning against the doctrines of the church to defend sinful practices or opinions, murmuring and complaining. Let me go back. Reasoning against the doctrines of the church to defend sinful practices. I was just, something caught my attention. And uh, I began to watch this video of uh, people that were part of this organization that were having a great debate about whether or not they were going to stay or disaffiliate. Caught my attention, so I began to watch. And I began to watch as the members of that church would take the podium And they would state why they felt like they wanted to stay in this organization. And others came up and they would state why they felt like they didn't. And so the one, there were several that did, but the one in particular, the first one caught my attention. As they began up and said, I've been a part of this, and I'll leave the name out, for all my life. And, and I think we need to stay in this organization. And, and Jesus loved people. And Jesus uh, died for people. And, and this is who we are. And we got to love people no matter X, Y, Z. Then somebody else got up. And they began to say, but what we're trying to deal with is against Scripture. Our problem is that we're trying to to, to take the Word of God, the doctrines of the Word of God, and we're trying to defend sinful, sinful practices and take the Word of God and okay it. Folks, I'm telling you right now, the Word of God can't be compromised. You cannot justify sin with the Word of God, but you can take the Word of God and bring healing and help and forgiveness to a sinful person. Many people think that way in the religious world today. I was shocked when some of the statistics came out. I was thinking, how in the world can people have this kind of a mindset or this kind of a belief? Well, number one, they don't have the whole truth. Number two, they're trying to live a life of God from uh, uh, I know of him, but I really don't know him. They're good people. They want to they live for God, and they think they are, but yet their carnal flesh is still setting in the way. And I must say, in, in that setting, their conversation was... I couldn't, I couldn't believe, not that they were cussing or anything like that, but I just couldn't believe their, that their converse, they, they had that mindset of defending sinful practices as though Jesus Christ would forgive. No. Those things that are against God, we will be held accountable. Okay. Speech against man. 
can fall into areas such as idle speaking with words that have no value, coarse jesting that has worldly undertones or innuendos or lying, uh, wounding the reputation of others, even if the words may be true, because we do that. Well, it's the truth. Well, it doesn't mean you have the right to say it. You don't want to destroy somebody. Spiteful speech that raises a false report. Amen. See, folks, here, here's what I think the Word of God tries to do. The Word of God is trying to get us and, and, and show us that our speech needs to affirm both God and man. Right? So most likely when you read, uh, you know, when we look at the title of, of what we're talking about or, 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 or you read about sinful speech, amen, our mind probably goes to those two categories, a couple categories, which number one is cursing. Everybody say cursing. That's the old version. We say cussing. That would probably top the list, and then it would be followed by our favorite word, gossip. Because this is perhaps the only categories that you and I have really ever looked at and thought of. But let's go. Matthew, uh, Ephesians 4.29, the passage here actually covers a, a much broader category uh, than just, uh, you know, the cursing and the gospel. So let, let's, look at, let's, let's look into the Greek here just a little bit. When you look at the Greek word corrupt, remember he said corrupt communication. When you look at the Greek word corrupt, it opens up some insight into what further describes for us where we talk about the little foxes of sinful speech. All right? And it is from the word sapros, which means rotten, worthless, both literally and morally. You go on over to Thayer's Greek lexicon, it defines the word at it, it defines the word corrupt as rotten, putrefied, corrupted by one or no longer fit for use, worn out, of poor quality, bad. Unfit for use, worthless. The word also gives the indication of rotten fruit, vegetables, those things that really are good when they're fresh and you fix them. Have you ever got some of them that were rotten? Did you just cut them up and throw them in the pan and get you some butter and, and did you kind of fry, fry them up and get them ready to go to eat and just say, oh man, yeah. Just what I wanted tonight. Can I ask a question? Has anybody ever got food poisoning? How did you feel? How did you feel? You ate something that was rotten. Something that wasn't right. It might have tasted good when it went down, but all of a sudden somewhere Maybe a few short minutes or maybe an hour or two later, your stomach just ain't feeling right. And man, it's a going. And if you've ever had food poisoning, you understand what I'm talking about when you're like, I'm fixing to blow.
And the next thing you know, you are hurling. And sometimes you're not close to a waste can. Sometimes you're not in the bathroom. One instance for me, all I had was a hotel wall. I didn't have a chance to get anywhere. And I was chucking onions and everything else. I was a sweating. I was, I was, it was just absolutely unbelievable. That was a Taco Bell, by the way. I don't get it much, but man, I don't like that feeling when it starts messing with my stomach. I don't like that feeling. Why? Because it tells me something was wrong. It tells me I ate something that was bad, something that had poor quality. It was unfit for use, and somebody fed me this stuff. It's rotten, whatever it might be. Meat that's left out too long. That's why you got to watch pork, folks. Pork is one of those meats that look good and they, don't, they may not smell, but they can be bad on the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of these, if ingested, all these different foods ingested can cause a serious illness to occur. Let's just call it food poisoning. But I want to be serious when I say this. The same holds true with the condition of our soul. If all we're doing is eating the garbage of the world and the bad stuff of the world and, and all the uh, uh, rottenness of the world, it's going to spiritually make us sick. You can't, you can't feed on that kind of stuff and survive. That's why you got to get in the Word of God. That's why you got to be like David. David, when he cried out, God put a guard on my mouth. God, God, help me, Lord. Let me, let me just kind of help me to get rid of this stuff out of my life without allowing it to affect me. Because that's what it is. Think about it that way. When you get, when you get uh, 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 infected or if you, you get that, that rotten stuff going in, all of a sudden it's not feeling right in your spirit. And the next thing you know, blah! You're chucking everything out. And you look at it. And you think, man, none of that stuff digested in my stomach. It's because your body was telling you, no. No, get it out. Convulsed. It don't belong here. It gets it out of your body. I remember going deep sea fishing years ago with Brother Barkus, my father-in-law, my son, and other brother-in-laws, and some of us went and we went out on a 10-hour deal, and uh, it never happened again. Man, we took a cooler. We had sandwiches. We had food. We were going to go out there and just have a great old time. Yeah. When you've got three and four-foot swells or more, and your boat's going up like this and down like that, and then you get a big whiff of diesel fuel. And uh, I'm not ashamed to tell you, I was the first one to hung my head over the side, and I hurled. Uh, yeah, I think at one time kind of triggered a, 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 a kind of a effect with everybody else. Yeah. So we went out there all day, had an older couple in their 80s that were sitting down the galley, and they were just absolutely just, you know, bad shape. Finally, we get back in. I was hungry. I stepped off that boat onto solid ground. 
I walked there and they had a snack bar and I got me a chili dog with everything. Brother Howard, that chili dog tasted better than, I mean, it was the great thing. Why? Because something out there in the water, something about being upset, something about being unstable, it messed with my body. Let me tell you something. The world is not, the world is unstable. Amen. You're, you're in a world that's being tossed to and fro. Like they have no rudder. The winds are blowing and you're just everywhere. And, and society with everything sick in the society and everything going on. And then you find yourself at a place to where you're just nauseating and sick. But when you get on that rock, when you stand on the rock, Christ Jesus, I'm telling you, he will settle everything down and everything will be all right. Your soul matters. Your heart matters. The condition of them matter. Amen. I could go on with more of these things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare because of time here. Let's go to other kinds of speech that fall into the category of sinful speech. Amen. Oops. Uh, oh, well. Too many things popping up here. Gossip. Everybody say gossip. Amen. Gossip. Tailbearing. Everybody say tailbearing. Amen. What do you think about that? How about slander? Gossip, tailbearing, and slander. Now, gossip's probably the most common kind of wrong speech that immediately comes to mind. It is defined as idle talk or rumor about the person, personal or private affairs of others. That's probably one of the, the we, we got a problem with that in our human nature, right? You're getting quiet. How many wants to be saved? Gossip, idle talk or rumor about the personal or private affairs of others. Let's look at gossip. Gossip as a vicious sin. It's been written, it is Satan's primary tool for destroying the church from within. You know what's happened to a lot of countries that have fallen down through the years? It wasn't because of outside influences. It was because they began to rot on the inside. And they began to decay as a civilization. And they fell apart. Why? Because it can, it can, it, things like gossip can, can destroy the confidence in people. They can harm the innocent. They can hinder the repentant. Gossip splits churches. That's a fact. It discourages saints. It's a fact. It, it, it disillusions new converts because they're coming into this newfound faith. They're excited. They're pumped up. They want to see it. And all of a sudden, somebody's bending their ear with some gossip, some kind of a rumor. And all of a sudden, they're thinking, wow. They become disillusioned by it. You see, the danger about gossip is that it is empowering to us, which caters to a sense of self-exaltation. The person who is in the know, 
can actually rationalize their own shortcomings by embellishing the struggles of another. So I've been in, I've been in positions to where we talked about some very delicate things. And I've had friends come to me trying to get me to disclose delicate things. We had some that would. Shame on them because it destroyed people. But I would just smile at them. Say, I can't talk about that. If you're my friend, you won't, you won't ask me. You won't, you, won't, you, won't, you won't want me to. You want me to respect that area that says I'm not going to talk about that because it can destroy people. I'm not, in the, I'm not in the business of passing along rumors. We should never be in that business. No, no, because that's a trap. Amen. When you begin to talk about somebody else's shortcomings or embellishing the struggles of somebody else, the trap of gossip is that it can furnish a sense of self-righteousness. And then you've got to be careful that gossip does not take on the form of a prayer request. How many knows what I'm talking about? Anybody got a prayer request? Yeah, I got a prayer request. And then we begin to talk. May not mean to. But all of a sudden, you give, give out a little bit too much information. I'd rather raise my hand and say it's a special, an, a special request. Right? Why? Because we need to know if, if, if I come in, in, into contact with negative information about somebody, it is better for me to keep it to myself and spend time in prayer privately about it and ask God. To begin to deal with the situation. Why, why do I say that? Well, Pastor, why, why, why should you say that? Well, it's because you've got to be careful in situations like that because you're dealing with a soul that could be destroyed, potentially destroyed real easily. Right? Furthermore, we always need to consider that there are two sides to every rumor that goes around. Just like they say, there's two sides to every story. Why are we getting quiet in here tonight? Gossip. Everybody say gossip. Look at your neighbor right now and say, do you gossip? Are you a gossiper? I don't think anybody's going to admit it right now. But gossip, by the very nature of its activity, opens one up to another failure called tail-bearing. A tail-bearer is a person who actively spreads gossip or secrets about another that damages their reputation by causing them trouble or harm. So let's go to some scripture here. Leviticus, Leviticus 19, verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a tail-bearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor and he said, I am the Lord. Psalm 50 and verse 20. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. 
See, we all think that the, the Scripture talks about a lot of other things, but when you get to the nitty-gritty, it's just trying to talk to us so that we can deal with those issues in our lives and be saved, right? Amen. Amen. Proverbs eleven thirteen: A talebearer reveal revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. We need to print that one out and stick it on our refrigerator. Proverbs twenty and verse nineteen: He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets; therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Because let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. If you listen to that person that, that's telling you stuff, just remember one day they'll be talking about you too. Lord, put a guard on my mouth. Put a guard on my mouth. Ezekiel 22, 9. In thee, a, in thee are men that carry tales to shed blood, and in thee they eat upon mountains. In the midst of thee they commit lewdness. Talebearer can actually devolve into what they call slander. What is slander? Slander is the act of defaming one's character by using what? False and malicious statements that causes misrepresentation of that person to take place. Once again, and I, we say it all the time, uh, you know, we might raise an objection and say, well, pastor, what I said was the truth. May have been. But understand that a slanderous tongue wounds people in such a way that even physicians can't heal them because of the damaging words that have been uttered. Sometimes slander can take place because of silence. Slander can take place in the church when a man who is known to give, to, to, to give uh, financially uh, to the church and all of a sudden they're being accused of false motives. Take place when a prudent man, the label of being miserable, Miserly or selfish or miserly, tight-fisted or selfish. Slander is accusing a man who is very actively involved in a church or a woman as having a spirit of preeminence because there are times that we who are known as being spiritual and godly men, we are slandered a lot of times as hypocrites. Yeah, they're just hypocrites. Hypocrites. Folks, let me tell you something right now. The hypocrites aren't on the bar stools. The hypocrites, the hypocrites aren't out in, 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 the, in the world doing their thing. No, no, they're not. Amen. Hypocrites are in church. And thank God they are because what you want to do is to get, everybody needs to get to that place to where, to where they're trying to make their way to heaven, right? We don't like to look at it that way, but yes, it is that way. Amen. That's why you don't want to stop coming to church. That's why you want to keep on working at it. Why? Because you want, ultimately you want to be saved. Sometimes people use it in their jobs, trying to climb higher on the ladder, taking advantage of situations. It's political many times. Folks, it's even in the ministry. The problem is that there is a damaged group of people 
that litter, the, the, the highway of life that's been left in the wake of this kind of behavior. And it can't stand. It can't stand. So he says, once again, Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use to edify, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And I believe you and I that we should constantly seek places where our own words are used for the edification and encouragement of others. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with saying, I'm glad to see you today. Hey man, God's going to do something great in your life. We're believing that together. Amen. Why? Because we're seeking to go to heaven. Lying. It's another little fox. Sinful speech. Lying. Lying. What is lying? Lying is a false statement made with the deliberate intent to deceive. It is a falsehood that is inaccurate. A Lie is told with obvious intent to make an impression that otherwise would not be made if the truth were told. So let's look at Proverbs. And I'm, I'm gonna, I know it's getting late, so I'm just going to quit. But let me read Proverbs 6, chapter, verses 16 through 19. Notice what it says here. These six things doth the Lord hate. That's pretty strong language there right there, isn't it? These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Okay? He said the first thing is a proud look. The second thing he said, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Heart that devises wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. It's clear to notice that three of these things that God considers an abomination has to do with the work of the tongue. He said a lying tongue, a false witness, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Those are three actions. Three of the seven are dealing with the tongue. John 8, Jesus stated that the devil was the father of lies. Wow, man. So the devil's going to always try to work in this realm to get you and I to come to that place to where we succumb to it. But here's what I want to encourage you tonight. We don't have to. Why? What's the Bible say? Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. I don't have to succumb to that. I, I don't have to live that way. I don't have to live that way. I can, I, can, I can challenge myself through the Spirit, through the Word of God, through prayer, through reading of the Word of God, that God can put a guard on my mouth to help me from being, can I say it this way, ignorant. Let's stand together. I, 
I've got more that I. Let me just read here a little bit. I'm not gonna, it's not going to be exhaustive, but let me read. Throughout the Bible, there are multiple and multiple examples of lying. Who? How about Genesis with Adam and Eve? How about Cain? How about Abraham? You've been doing your Bible reading? Then you just read not too long ago where Abraham went to Egypt and he said, Now, now, Sarah, now, now you need to tell them, you know, you're a good-looking chick here now. You need to tell them that you're my sister. He did that twice. Sarah, Isaac, Jacob's sons, Joseph's brothers, Potiphar's wife, Pharaoh, Aaron, Saul, David, the old prophet of Bethel, Jeroboam's wife. Just a few here to name that they're, you know, that, 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 that people had a problem with it. Amen. There's always challenging circumstances that had to be dealt with because of it. <clears throat> Look, let me read here. Colossians 3, 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds. Ephesians 4.25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Ephesians 4.15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Speaking the truth in love. Proverbs 8.7, For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Proverbs 27, 17, He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. Zechariah 8, 16, These are the things that ye do. Speak ye every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates. One last scripture, I'm done. Ephesians, or Colossians 3, 8. But, na but now ye also put off all these, Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications. He said what? Put them out of your mouth. Paul was saying, get rid of that filthy speech. Filthy communicate. Look, I'm telling you, here's what I'm saying. God's wanting to do something great in our midst. And man, we've been having some services. The presence of God is here. But let me just encourage each and every one of us, and I'm talking to myself right here. We need to realize that this is a seven-day-a-week walk, which means when I'm done on Sunday, Monday I'm walking for Jesus. Tuesday I'm walking for Jesus. Three, I'm walking with Jesus. Four, I'm walking with Jesus. Five, I'm walking. Six, I'm walking with Jesus. Amen. Every time I come to church, when I come to prayer, when I go to prayer, when I read the Word of God, i got to keep on saying, Lord, help me. Keep me, Lord God. Amen. Help me watch and keep my tongue. Man, let, 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 let me say good things to edify people. And Lord, things that would hurt somebody, let me just make it a matter of prayer and let me just kind of bear down in my spirit and, 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 and let you do the work that you and only you can do. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I receive this in Jesus' name tonight. Don't be listening to stuff, folks. Don't come up to me and try to tell some kind of joke that ain't right. Mm -mm. I don't want to hear that stuff, right? Don't be, don't be talking.
Amen. God's good. Lord God, we thank you tonight for your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness. Thank you for your word. For truly is a lamp unto our feet. Lord God, we thank you. And we're asking you once again this evening that, that you would touch our lives. Let us walk. Let us take your word as your word has come forth. And let us apply it to our lives. Amen. So that we can be what you really want us to be in this end time. So that we can be the, chi- the child of God that we need to be. So that we can be that example. Amen. In this world that we live. That, 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 that those we come in contact with amen, will be touched and they will know that what they see is something different than what everybody else might be betraying. But it's because you, God, you've changed our lives and we thank you for it. So help us to walk in your light, walk in your word, walk in the truth of your word and let us be what you want us to be. And everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. How many receives the word with gladness tonight? Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with one another. Be here Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're going to have a move of God. Pray for our Spanish church. That God will do great things in their lives. God bless you. That's good.